All right, well, good morning, Restoration. I am John Foley, and uh, this is my privilege. I think it's the third time I've been able to preach at Restoration, and uh, it's always a joy to be with you. I'm one of the pastors of Faith Covenant Church, our parent-sending church, and so proud of you. Um, Just so excited. You're you're official now, as of this summer, and uh, I'm excited about the series that we're we're doing together. as you saw, overcome the keys to unlocking freedom, and uh, you know this whole area of of overcoming, this whole area of freedom ministry, um, of of the victorious life of Christ in us, is is something I get kind of pumped up about. I'll just I'll be honest with you. You may have to contain me today. Uh, I love to see people uh, come to freedom. I love to see the chains and the shackles and the lies of the enemy be defeated. So I'm excited about this series. We're going to be looking uh, over the next four weeks. I'm not going to be doing all of them, but next week you'll hear from Pastor Mike Lotzer of Faith Covenant, and the third week, your pastor, Rob, he only gets to preach one sermon twice this whole month, and that was intentional because uh, we really wanted to do something to bless you, to use some of our resources at Faith. So uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that, but we want to just point out four keys in First Peter 5. Uh, over over the next month, uh, to to growing, to unlocking that freedom uh, within us. So you and I are more than conquerors; we are overcomers in Christ Jesus. Earlier this summer, I kept hearing example after example of of people in captivity, either literally kind of in prison or just uh, kind of bondages of sin. Kept hearing these examples, and and God impressed on me kind of a desire to, to do a series on freedom. And you know how that happens, like you think you may hear something or be led, and then you start doubting. Did that happen to anybody? Like, ah, am I really supposed to do this series on freedom? I don't know about that. And then it came the day that I was going to get together with your pastor, Rob, and we were going to talk about doing this series. And I, I'm a part of a regular kind of prayer group outside of my church on Thursday mornings, and I went that day. And uh, the woman leading the group said, I, I just believe, and this doesn't usually happen, but she said, I just believe we're supposed to pray into this word, restoration. And I'm like, wow, I'm supposed to meet Rob of restoration today. This is cool. And, and as she began to explain what God was putting on her heart, and as we started praying, God just made it really clear. He just said, it wasn't audible, it was just really clear. It was one of those times where it was like, John, the desires I put in your heart Preach about freedom that's from me. Go with this. And not only was I encouraged by that, as I got together, we got together in Ron's house that day, Rob and I, and, and we started talking about this. Rob was encouraged too. I'm so blessed he gets to be at Covenant Pines. I don't know if anybody else with, with your church, I know for a few from faith or at family camp. So I'm excited to do this together. Um, as a fellow church planter, I, I did Living Stones for almost five years, Living Stones Covenant. And your logo looks a lot like our logo used to look. It's a cool logo. But I, I'm so thankful that we get to do this together. I'm so thankful that um, we can pool resources and help one another out. So buckle up. I'm excited what God's got for us. This is a series about freedom, and this is how we're going to define freedom, okay? First of all, it's saying yes to the position and power of Christ in us. But it's also saying no to slavery of sin of any kind. So there's a yes and there's a no. 
Uh, the theme today is the key to unlocking freedom. It starts at the core of our being. And knowing that in Christ we are more than conquerors. We are overcomers. And we can walk in freedom. So in this call, in this, this first week, we're calling it a call to be versus do. In the opening verses of 1 Peter 5, we're going to cover three simple steps towards that freedom. And first of all, is that core of freedom. Let's look at, uh, follow along 1 Peter 5 as I read these first few verses. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. So this first call to unlocking freedom in this passage we're calling this week the call to be versus do. And I don't know if you picked that up, but three times uh, in these first four verses, there's either the word be or being. Okay, Peter says, be shepherds. And he goes on to say, as God wants you to be. And finally, being examples to the flock. Now, there's a lot of doing associated with ministry, okay? Peter's talking to, to shepherds, to leaders of a church. And, and you guys, hey, young church plant, three years old, you're doing a lot, aren't you? There's a lot to do to prepare for Sunday morning. There's a lot to do to pack the trailer, unload the trailer. There's a lot to do to, to establish things. I know you've got new initiatives and, and new services going. That's exciting stuff. There's a lot to do. But, but all of our doing... Peter wants to tell us, needs to come out of uh, a right-ordered heart. We hear Peter's exhortation to the church, and we see his passion to let all of our doing come out of our being as forgiven, saved, and beloved children of God. And so Peter is, is ministering to others out of a, a place of healing and humility. And there's a lot in those three words of being shepherds, as God wants you to be, being examples there's a gold mine there. It's important to note that Peter is not talking to just professional, weird clergy people like me. Okay, when he's talking to the church, he's talking to shepherds. They're, they're normal people in the church. They probably had a lot of other professions who felt a call to follow Jesus in a radical way and to lead others in that call. It's a wider description of a shepherd, not just Shepherd Rob. Okay? Talking about a lot of you all here. Peter is, is writing primarily to the Jewish Christians scattered across the Roman Empire. And many were experiencing great suffering and, and persecution for their faith. Peter appeals to them in the midst of the threat to their freedom, to, uh, to their victorious living and their hope. If we're honest, many of us are struggling. Uh, we can feel that there's an attack on our hope, on our faith on our freedoms in Christ. Neil Anderson writes uh, a lot about freedom in Christ. And he said something years ago that really struck me. He said about 90% of people in the church, we're not talking outside the church, in the church, are dealing with, with bondage or captivity to sin in some ways. Wow. Freedom is something not just for those who are going to come to Christ. Freedom is something for those 
who call Jesus Lord. And we need to receive it in the core of our being. Do you feel that tension? Do you struggle with this? Is, is freedom seem like an elusive concept sometimes? You know, hey, I'm supposed to be free in Christ, but it just feels so hard to grasp. In order to unpack this, this core of freedom, I think it's important to look at just a couple other verses that help set the groundwork for, for what Peter is, is really trying to tap into here. John 8.36 says, If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And so our freedom is rock solid if we have asked Jesus to be Lord of our lives. He's done it. Jesus has accomplished it. He, we sang it in that song. You have overcome. He has done it. And we're not just free. We're free indeed. There's no doubt. We don't have to doubt that. He has done it. So if we're free, if Jesus has done it all, why do so many of us struggle with our freedom? Why do we struggle to live in this call to be conquerors or overcomers? Not only do we fail to realize our being in the core of who we are, that we are in Christ, that what he has done is is in us, it's who we are. I think we also fail to realize the power of that identity. I think we kind of realize it as just a getting by, right? Oh, I'm, I'm saved. I got my ticket to heaven. I'm, I'm just getting by. We forget the power of this identity that comes in being one in Christ. And for that, I'd like to look at uh, Romans 8.37. This is, comes after Paul has, has listed off a long list of, of some of the greatest hindrances to our connection with God. Some of the greatest things are struggles. And he says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We don't just get by. We are more than conquerors. Now, the, the little Greek word that appears in various translations as conqueror, as winner, as victor, as overcomer, is, is the little word nikeo. And this means to win, to be victorious, or to gain a surpassing victory. But in the scripture right here, it's, that's not the word they're using. The word that Paul uses is hupernikeo. And this means to vanquish beyond recognition, to gain a decisive victory, to conquer exceedingly. You don't just conquer. You are more than a conqueror in Christ. Craig Rochelle is the covenant pastor of the largest covenant church, of Life Church in Oklahoma. I love what he writes about this. To be all that God intends for you to be, to fulfill all of the chapters that God is writing in your story, you need to understand this, to internalize this, to feel it. We're not talking about someday in the future. This is now. This isn't what you're going to become. This isn't once I get my life together. This isn't once I beat this stubborn addiction of mine. This is who God says you already are. Maybe there's a giant who has everyone around you paralyzed. Maybe no one else thinks you can beat it. But I'm telling you, by the power of the risen Christ, you can. You are Hooper Nikeo, more than a conqueror. You are an overcomer. And I just want to say in Jesus' name, I just want to say, I declare it today over this room and over every lie, over over everything hidden, over everything that comes against you and who you are, I declare it 
in the name of Jesus. You are, and I, if you are in Jesus, you are Hooper Nikael, an overcomer in him. Maybe you're saying, ah, that's great, Pastor, but you have no idea what I'm dealing with. And that's true. I have no idea what you're dealing with. But the gospel of Jesus Christ says nothing can separate him who loves you. Nothing can separate you from your identity of who you are in him. If you have said, I surrender, I receive this. I love the phrase, I love this phrase from Pastor Mark Batterson. He says, maybe it's time that we ought to stop talking to God about our problems. And we start talking to our problems about God. You know, don't we kind of elevate our problems and, and what we're going through, we feel this tension and we're, and we're dealing with things and life is hard and the battles of life are hard and we can kind of elevate our problems. God, man, I'm going through this. Have you ever seen this before? Well, he has. Start talking to our problems about God because in him we are Hooper Nikeo. Sometimes the battles we face for freedom are obvious. Addictions, temptations that easily overcome us. Pornography, eating disorders, gambling, alcohol, drug addiction. But sometimes the fight for freedom is more subtle. And these battles and areas of bondage can come in areas of deep-seated bitterness, unforgiveness, jealousy, anger. They're often hidden. They're often down there in the core. We don't deal with them or don't really realize that we still are struggling with those. In order to deal with these subtle and and often hidden attacks on our freedom, I I think it's important to look at the story within the story of, of Peter's freedom. And this is our second step, the story behind Peter's freedom, what he speaks about in 1 Peter 5 here. When Peter ministers out of this sense of being, we need to know that his call to be a shepherd for the church came at a great cost, came with a real struggle for him. I, I preached a little bit about this years ago when I, when I preached here. And, you know, I could have said, oh, I shouldn't preach that, but I want to preach it again because there's something so radical about the freedom that Peter receives in his story. In John 21, this is the story where Jesus meets the disciples after his resurrection. And they're fishing. They've gone back to their old way of life. And he has a little breakfast with them on the beach. And then he has this little time with Peter. And he reinstates Peter to his position of leadership in the church. And if you ever heard this story, it's a common story. It's where Jesus comes to Peter. And three times he asks him, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus says, and feed my sheep. And again, he asks him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter says, Lord, you know I love you. And he says, and take care of my sheep. And finally, a third time he asks, and this time it hurt. Peter, do you love me? He says, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. And feed my sheep. Often when I've read that story, I'm like, Jesus, do you got to you know, stick that dagger in so deep? Why, why are you doing that? You, yes, Peter denied Jesus three times that he even knew him before Jesus' crucifixion. And you ask him three times. It seems cruel, doesn't it? But rather than being cruel, 
Jesus is coming to that place, that hidden place of pain, that hidden place of unforgiveness in Peter where he couldn't forgive himself for denying his Lord and his Savior. And Jesus comes to this place and he takes authority over that pain. And he heals Peter at the core of his being. This is where we take our problems to Jesus or we let Jesus come to our problems rather than taking our problems to Jesus. How about you? Are there places in your heart that are still broken, still hidden, still too painful to confess? Like Peter, what's your story within the story? What are your greatest struggles or greatest hindrances to to walking in an overcoming freedom of Jesus? He wants to go with us to those places. He wants to do the surgery to, to remove any subtle deep-seated places of bondage. I love the way uh, one of my older seasoned prayer warrior friends talks about this verse in 2 Corinthians 3.17. Can we look at that one? 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And that's a great truth. But I love Betty, the way she says this verse. Let's go to the next one. Where the Spirit of the Lord is Lord. There is freedom. You and I are called to let freedom reign in our hearts by the power of Jesus living inside us. But we have to let Jesus be Lord and Savior over every memory, over everything of the past, over everything that we are, every place we've messed up. We have to let him be Lord of everything. Rob was telling me last week, you uh, you talked about... Um, Needing, needing to worship God in the very uh, core of, of everything who you are, right? And, and going through the Psalms. We have to need, let the Lord, where the Spirit of the Lord is Lord in how we worship and, and who we are in the past and, and who God's calling us to be. We need the Spirit of the Lord. We need Jesus to be Lord over everything. And when we do that, we invite him in to those places of pain, to those, to those places of hurt, to those places that can be hidden. And we let him do his work of freedom. He has created us to walk in his favor and his delight. He's, he's calling us to surrender all of who we are to let the full impact of this freedom take place. And so we need to let that happen in the core of our being. And we need to go into our stories to look back in order to go forward, like Peter, to invite Jesus to come in those places. It's not easy. It can be painful. But great healing and great freedom comes out of that. Finally, the third step in gaining freedom is, is turning our associations toward freedom. I mentioned past, Pastor Mark Batterson. He's pastor of National Community Church in Washington, D.C. He's written some great books. He's one of my, my favorite authors. He's famous for... I think his first book was In a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day. And I love how he tells the story of of Peter and Jesus. I love the insight that he gives with this. And he says, you know, this happened on the beach very early in the morning. And he said, there was genius in this time, in this association of when Jesus did this with Peter, asking him the three times. Because this was about the same time that the rooster would crow for the third time. 
Do you know what happened to Peter when he denied Jesus? Just like Jesus said it would happen, you're going to deny me third time and the rooster will crawl. Do you know what would happen every time after that? Peter would hear that rooster crow. Oh, just waves of shame just come in. This association, this painful place where he couldn't forgive himself. And so Pastor Mark Batterson says, this is like uh, Ivan Pavlov and his work uh, on the conditioned reflex with dogs. You see dogs salivate around food, but he said, I want to see if they'll, they'll, they'll associate with something else. So he started ringing a bell. And pretty soon, even without the food there, when he would ring the bell, dogs would salivate. It's this conditioned reflex. And you and me, we can have conditioned reflexes to pain in our lives. If we don't let the Holy Spirit, if we don't let Jesus come in and, and turn these associations to his grace. What Jesus did for Peter, he wants to do for every one of us. Jesus turned Peter's painful association upside down. In the place of his deepest shame, Jesus brought forgiveness. And he wiped it away, he turned it around. Now every time Peter hears the rooster crow, he doesn't feel that shame. He feels the grace and the forgiveness of his Lord who walked him through that hard place. And now he knows he is Hooper Nakeo. He's an overcomer. That shame can't bang down the door anymore. That, that, that unforgiveness of himself, it's gone in Jesus' name. Jesus has turned that association to his grace. You know, I, I've, told, I've told this church before that I love your location here. I said, I went to Westview in fifth grade, went down the road to Apple Valley Middle School, and graduated from the high school here. I love your location. Don't ever move, you guys. This, this is cool. Unless God gives you a few million and gives you your own place, then glory be to God. But you know, as well as a lot of fun memories, there's kind of a painful memory down the road here at Apple Valley High School, or Apple Valley Middle School. I just got to tell you, it's the place of my first rejection that I remember. That's still, you know, down there. And this was uh, this was a gal who was in the youth group in junior high, and she kissed me on a junior high retreat that we had for church. Now you can never have enough. Junior high chaperones, okay? Because I'm the pastor's kid, and I'm getting kissed by a girl. And so I thought that was pretty cool. I thought she was pretty cute, and uh, I got up the nerve to call her. Couldn't text her at this time. This is way back in the day. Walked into my parents' bedroom, sat down on the bed, and sweaty palms and all. Picked up that phone and just said, hey, I was wondering if you like me. And I'm telling you, I got the Heisman. You know what the Heisman is? rejection. She said, no. I quickly like covered my shame and said, well, I was just wondering. I was just hearing things around school. So I, I, I jest about this. Uh, I laugh about this. I don't think it's a place in my life where there's this great shame or um, that devastated me for life. But I, I tell you because a little while back, a month or two back, Jesus gave me a really cool picture in prayer. And he brought me back to the scene. And I think it's kind of funny, but, but I pictured myself on the bed, and I was probably getting sweaty palms praying about this, thinking about this, about to call her. But this time, Jesus was on the bed with me, and he was sitting right next to me, and his arm was around me, and there was this huge smile on his face. And it was like he was saying, John, any memory, any time, any challenge 
that would come into your life that, that, would, that would bring up shame? You have a choice. You can see all of this in me. I love you. You, you are a conqueror in me. You are free in me. You don't have to be identified by shameful moments. You don't have to, to go for the false things and, and escape and run into the bushes in shame. I love you. And if Jesus loves me and nothing can set me, separate me from that love, then all of my life can become an identity in that. He can change my being. He can walk with me into anything in the past and we can revisit it in a new way. And he can turn any association for his grace, for his glory. I want to give you a little homework assignment. Uh, I want to give you a couple options because I really want you to take uh, this and walk with this and let the Lord speak to you. And the first is just that I would call overcome homework. And, and first of all, just ask God to reveal the chains that hold you. I think we all can have these in different areas, subtle or obvious. It's just an opportunity to ask God, hey, God, what, what chains hold me? And uh, one, one exercise that may be neat to, to try this or to, to ask the Lord to reveal this is what I'd call a very common prayer of examine. And this is common in some spiritual formation exercises. And it's just a, many times at the end of the day to sit there um, quiet yourself, uh, no distractions, and just ask the Lord, Lord, when, when were you in this day with me? When did I receive your love? When did I reject your love? It's an awesome exercise to go, what's shaping? How am I viewing myself under the freedom of Christ or under shameful things or, or other things that can hold me? You can take this to, to look at all of life too, not just the day, to look back. When have I received your love? When have I received your freedom? When have I rejected it and gone my own way? That's just a prayer of examine. Second thing is to ask the Lord to show you how to turn these associations of sin and shame into grace and freedom. Um, I'm just thankful for Bryce Batchelor coming with me today. We're in a men's group, and uh, it's just an awesome opportunity to walk together as men and, uh, um, and, and to, to ask God to shape us of, of who we're called to be. And, and it just came up this week as we're looking back on our stories um, someone shared how they heard Christ kind of in a, in a shameful past just turn this for them. And it made me think there's often this Ignatian prayer, which is picturing yourself in the story, picturing yourself with Jesus in the story, where I've found that many people have come to freedom. People have come through great pain. And they, they've, they've heard Jesus say, I was there with you. That moment of great pain, I was there with you. I'm sorry that that happened. Jesus wants to walk with you through, through failures, through struggles, and he wants to turn that association. And finally, in this exercise, is just taking a step of freedom out of the being you already have in Christ. There's something that we need to do to say, hey, I receive this, this is my identity, this is how I want to turn this, and I just want to do something. I just want to take one step that, that, that just moves in this way, right? It's doing that comes out of being. It's, it's the, the scripture again and again, hear and then obey. Hear the truth of the Lord. Hear his word of instruction and then obey. Do something with it. Just take a step. Just write down something. What do I want to do? Do I want to memorize the scripture? Do I want to go reach out to these people? Take a step of freedom and let him live that freedom out of you. 
The second uh, homework assignment I just want to give you is, uh, is just stones with new names. And we have some stones up here and some stones in the back table. And um, I just uh, started talking, right, the tension that we have about knowing that we're called to freedom and yet that struggle to, to realize it, to walk in it. And I just want to be honest with you. Last week when I was preaching this first sermon at Faith Covenant, it was a really hard week for me. One of the guys in our group um, committed suicide last week. And uh, Joel was a kid uh, in the city. And when I did ministry in Minneapolis for 20 years, I don't remember this, but Joel said I led him to the Lord when he was a kid. And uh, we were reconnecting and having just, I mean, Amazing times. He was in the study with us. He was growing with the Lord. The presence of the Lord was with him. I, I led him to the Lord, and then I led his funeral service last Sunday. And I want to tell you, as, as hard as that was, there was a witness of Christ's presence there among us. As hard as it was, and that, you know, I was feeling like, Lord, how am I going to preach about freedom when experience this great loss? And Jesus just started doing some miraculous things. He said, John, know that he is with me. All these people came in and they testified that they experienced the presence of Christ through him. I'm not okaying this action, but I know he's in the presence of the Lord. And God gave us opportunity to to cry together, to, to struggle together but to give us reassurance, to give us the conviction to like, let's stand together as men. Let's stand together as the people of Christ and let's bear one another's burdens. Let's walk the hard roads. Let's lead people to freedom. God started giving me uh, just divine encounter after divine encounter. It was like, that was not a coincidence. And near the end of the week, I hadn't seen this stone in years It's one of these white stones. And when I was at Covenant Pines years ago with our church plant, we did this exercise. In Revelations 2.17, it says, The Lord will give you a white stone, and on it he will give a new name. And so we took this exercise, and we went off in quiet, and we just asked the Lord to give us a new name. And this isn't easy, right? I'm telling you, honestly, as a pastor, it's not easy. Like, okay, God, i got to hear you. But I'm so thankful that we don't have to get hung up on what he's saying. We just, hey, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to abide with you. I'm going to be with you, God. I'm going to leave the the outcome in your hands. But you say, be still and know that I'm God. And you promise if I ask and I seek and I knock, I will find you. I want to tell you that when I was being quiet at camp, the name, the new name that God gave me, was conqueror. And I just so happened to find this stone last week. Do you need a new name? Do you need God to speak in to a hurtful association? Would you like Jesus to give you a new name today? Would you like him to speak over you into some hurt, into some identity that's not redeemed? And would you like him to say, hey, I, I want to give you this name. I want to be so bold to ask the Lord to give you a new name today. Will you come forward for communion today? 
I want to ask, take time to just say, God, do you have a new name for me? I'll be at the back if you want to come back there. I know for us at Faith last week, there was a lady that had a stone afterwards, and I asked if she had a name, and, and she didn't. And I said, well, can we, I felt that nudge, and like, God, I don't want to pray, and if she doesn't get a name, but we prayed, and God gave her a new name. So I want to be so bold to ask God to give that today. Or you can take a stone and take it home and pray over it too. Peter got a new name from Jesus. In Matthew 16, Jesus changed his name from Simon to Peter. He told the disciples that the keys of the kingdom would be theirs. And they could storm the gates of hell. Because in Christ were Hooper Nikao. And he told them, he said, I will build my church. Restoration, if you're tired, if you're doing the things of ministry, come to Jesus. And at the core of your being, let him make you to be the shepherds he desires you to be. If you're tired, if you're hurt, if there's pain, let him come and do the work. Let him come and speak the name that he wants to give you. Jesus wants to bring freedom. Jesus wants to do the heavy lifting. And so as we come for communion today, ask him to give you a new name. Know that he is with you. Know that his arm is around you. Know that he is giving you forgiveness, his mercy, his strength, his healing, his power, his restoration. Jesus, we come to you. And we're going to receive the gift that you have for us. And we ask you, Jesus, to not just conquer, but to vanquish and obliterate the clutches and the lies of the enemy. We're asking you to do this right now. And so, Lord, I ask you just to be in this time of communion. And I ask you to come into these elements. And I ask, Lord God, as we experience you as a means of grace through the bread which represents your body and through the cup which represents your blood. I ask you to be in it right now, Jesus. I ask you to strengthen us. I ask you to speak to us. I ask you to to fill us up with your power, to fill us up with your freedom. And I ask you to help us work through these things and turn these associations to you, Jesus, in your mighty name right now. I just ask you to silence the enemy. I just ask you to silence the doubts. And Lord, in your time, but I ask you right now, Lord God, I ask you in Jesus' name, you said if we abide in you and your words remain in us, we can ask for whatever we wish and you will give it to us. And so I ask, Lord, as we abide in your presence and as we receive this communion, I ask you to speak a new name over your people. Help us to receive you. Help us to listen for you. Jesus, speak a new name. All for your glory, Lord Jesus. And so hear now the words of Jesus on the night he was betrayed. He took the bread, and after he had given thanks, he broke it. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
In the same way, after supper, he took the cup. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Today I proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I declare the Lord's death and the Lord's victory over every lie, over every clutch of the enemy. I declare it. I declare freedom. I declare new names for you in Jesus' name. Today, I know it's your practice to do uh, communion in the spirit of intinction where you take the body, the bread, and you dip it in the cup, his blood. Come, there's stones here. You can write new names. You can come to the back. You can meditate at the back. You can have prayer at the back. I'll be back there. If Jesus is your Lord, or the spirit of the Lord is Lord, there is freedom. Come and receive him. Jesus' name.